So John Wick Chapter 4 was obviously a worldwide success. It recently just hit $363 million at the global box office. And for comparison, the previous film in the franchise, Parabellum, that film topped out at $328 million at the global box office. So Chapter 4 is the most successful entry in the franchise thus far. And because of that, we're seeing that John Wick is getting the Hollywood franchise treatment. It's getting spinoffs. It's getting spin-off movies we're getting the the ballerina film next year which is going to be taking place i believe between chapter three and chapter four which is why keanu reeves is returning and when i heard he was returning in that film i thought it was just going to be for a cameo to sort of let the audience know you know the the general audiences that don't really pay attention to the behind the scenes production news just to sort of pop him in the film to let them know that oh okay this is connected to john wick's world but apparently he is one of the main supporting uh, supporting characters in the film, so that is quite exciting. And then Winston is getting his own spinoff as well, called The Continental, and that's going to be a prequel series. I, I assume it's going to be showing sort of his rise to power, you know, him rising through the ranks and eventually becoming the the manager that we all know. So pretty exciting, and uh, you know, people have been wondering what is the future of the center of it all, John Wick himself. And I understand the ending of chapter four, spoilers, we're led to believe he's dead. However, I believe the ending is a little bit more ambiguous than some of you think. It is official that we are now getting a fifth film. So he is returning. And at the end of the day, these writers will come up with some explanation to explain to us why he's still alive. So that I'm not concerned about. But I'm going to read this Hollywood Reporter article. It breaks down the details. And this isn't coming from just some scooper. This is coming from Lionsgate themselves, the uh, the distributor of the John Wick films. So it says here, Lionsgate motion picture group chair Joe Drake teased development of a fifth film in the studio's John Wick franchise Thursday during a Q4 earnings call that has fans abuzz. It says, quote, what is official is that, as you know, Ballerina is the first spinoff that comes out next year. We're in development on three others, including five, and including the television series The Continental, which will be airing soon, he said. We're building out the world, and when that five movie comes out, it will be organic. We'll be organically grown out of how we are starting to tell those stories, but you can rely on a regular cadence of John Wick. So it sounds like John Wick is not going anywhere anytime soon. It doesn't even sound like the fifth film is going to be the last film. It sounds like we're probably going to get a few more maybe even another trilogy, so to speak. So pretty exciting news. And uh, what are my thoughts on chapter four itself? Because I don't think I've really talked about it here on the podcast. I love chapter four. It has some of the most memorable action set pieces of all time, not even just in the John Wick franchise, but in action cinema in general. Uh, Some of my favorite moments are the overhead aerial shot of John Wick with the incinerary rounds and he's shooting, he's making his way through that house. It's very much arcade, archaic-like, uh, similar to a video game sequence like an RPG when you're when you're playing above and you're seeing all the characters in the other rooms. We see him going around room to room, killing everybody with the incinerary rounds. That's one of my favorite moments. Of course, uh, when we're about to get in our final fight between Donnie Yen and John Wick, when we have that scene between John Wick and... And all the henchmen and he's making his way up, up the staircase and then he falls down the staircase. That's one of my favorite moments. So it's it's a fantastic, not just John Wick film, but one of the best action films I've ever seen. However, with that being said, 
I don't think any of these future John Wick films are ever going to beat the first one for me. There's a simplicity to that story in the first one about a man just trying to avenge his dog. I mean, if somebody killed my dog, I'd be hunting them down too. Not only that, the extension of that grief comes from his loss of his wife because that, that that's the way he got the dog in the first place. His, his wife sort of prepared that as a, as a way for him to mourn the loss of her after her death. So an incredible story. And, uh, and I don't think any of these films are, are really going to top the simplicity of that, especially now that they're really trying to set a priority on building out the lore of this world with the high table, with the continental. Um, but overall, I'm excited for this news. I'm just curious as to what they're going to say in regards to, you know, how, how is he alive? Because I don't think the ballerina film is going to answer that question because it takes place before chapter four. So, you know, but it doesn't really seem like, it, it seems like the film has been greenlit, but in terms of writing wise, there's obviously the writer strike, which is still happening. And we'll talk about that later in the episode. So it's not like they're working on the script right now. It just means that the studio has has given them the green light to do it. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Let me know what you guys think about that. And now we're going to move on to the next topic. And I think it'd be fun to... Well, I mean, not fun. It's, it's very serious issues in regards to Ezra Miller and Jonathan Majors with everything happening in, in their legal cases. Uh, but it is a very strong possibility that the two of them could get recast in the future... Uh, because of you know their actions uh, behind the scenes, and I thought it would be interesting to develop my personal list of actors that I think would uh, would, would be a great fit to recast them for. Um, so we're going to get into that list right now. So let's begin with Jonathan Majors because I think his situation is going to be far more challenging for Marvel if they have to recast him uh, compared to Warner Brothers and Ezra Miller, because I think what Jonathan Majors did as he Who Remains and Loki and Kang and Quantumania was some of the best acting I've seen in the MCU since its inception with Iron Man, to be quite honest with you. And you can call that a hot take if you want, but I think Marvel would agree with me. In fact, I was reading a report the other day. Now, this is a rumor. This isn't confirmed by any means that this might not be true, but apparently it came from reliable sources. And the story was that when Marvel, in the middle of Phase 4, when they were still mapping out their next 10 years and they were searching for the story of the next two Avenger movies and what the what the next Thanos-level villain is going to be, they didn't know that yet. But Kang was already... Kang was, regardless, going to be the villain of Quantumania, but there was no future plans for that character beyond, beyond Quantumania. But Kevin Feige was watching the dailies for, for Quantumania, and he, apparently he was so impressed with what Jonathan Majors was doing that from there he decided to invest the future of the multiverse saga in that character with, of course, the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. So I think that kind of attests what I'm, what I'm saying here. I'm not saying it's the best performance we've seen in the MCU, but it is some of the best acting. I think it was incredible. Um, and by me saying that, that's not me condoning what Jonathan Majors has allegedly done. If he is guilty of the things that he's being accused of, he should absolutely be recast. But I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie that if they have to go that route, they're going to have their work cut out for him because I think he's an incredible actor. But here are five names that I think could fit the role uh, in terms of you know their performances, their acting style, and their screen presence. So number five, I have Aldous Hodge. And uh, for those of you who don't know who this is, he's not 
like like a main star, like a mainstream actor, but he is quite talented. Uh, he he played MC Ren in Straight Outta Compton, uh, and then a, I think he yeah he played Hawkman in uh, Black Adam, and I think uh, I, that's pretty much all I've seen from him. But he has that intimidating factor to him that I think could lend very well to the character because Jonathan Majors had that same quality when 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 he's talking to. When he's talking to Scott in that first interaction in Quantumania, that's one of my favorite scenes in the MCU, in, in MCU history. I love that scene. I know Quantumania isn't the greatest film in the MCU, but the, it certainly has its moments, and that's one of the best moments for sure. And throughout that conversation, Jonathan Majors is not overcompensating or, or, or really trying to make it known that I am I am this this terrifying villain. It's it's actually quite the opposite. He's very uh, monotone. He's very calculated. He's it's very much Shakespeare in the Park sort of um, in terms of how he's speaking. But there's still something very intimidating. There's this underlying danger that you can sense with this individual here. There's this chaos, and that's something that I think these actors can really embody. Um, but number four, I have Daniel Kaluuya, and I know a lot of you are immediately thinking that well, he's already been in the MCU. We've seen this case before. Gemma Chan in The Eternals played some character in Captain Marvel that had like two lines, but most people aren't going to remember that, those kind of things. Daniel Kaluuya was in the first Black Panther film, and he did have a, a, a bit of a bit of a more significant role than compared to Gemma Chan's situation, but he wasn't even in Wakanda Forever, and I, I don't think we're going to see him again in the MCU as that character. So it was a pretty small but still a supporting role. I think he he played Okoye's husband, I believe in that first film. He's a fantastic actor. Uh probably has the most um sort of uh recognition. Like I think most audiences know who Daniel Kaluuya is from Get Out to Nope and so on. Number 3 is Leslie Odom Jr. Now he played uh one of the one of the main uh characters in Glass Onion. I think he's a very good actor and he was also in uh, the Many Saints in Newark, which is that Soprano spinoff. My number two is Damson Idris. Now, this is the name that is that is getting a lot of headlines, and apparently Marvel is already looking to lock up this guy in the event that they have to recast. This seems to be the main uh, the main candidate to to replace Jonathan Majors, and I certainly wouldn't think that this is a bad decision. My only thing is that I think he looks a little bit too young, and I know he's. 32, and I believe that's the same age as Jonathan Majors, but he he looks like he's in his early 20s, so that's why he's my number two, but I think he's a great actor, and his, his show Snowfall is amazing. Check it out. My number one is John David Washington. This guy is incredible. He has so much of the, uh, of the same tendencies as his dad, which if, if you don't know, his dad is one of the great actors we've ever seen, and uh, oh my god, I'm, I'm fucking... How am I forgetting his name? Denzel Washington, excuse me. <laughs> Whenever I'm on this podcast and I'm trying to remember an actor's name, for some reason my, my brain just draws a blank. But yeah, so that's my list. I'll go over it one more time. At number five, I have Aldous Hodge. Number four, I have Daniel Kaluuya. Number three, I have Leslie Odom Jr. Number two, I have Dan Idris. Number one, I have John David Washington. So let's move over with The Flash. Now, I think this situation will be far 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 less challenging for Warner Brothers because we just haven't seen as much of, of Ezra Miller and I don't think the the times we've have seen him in the DCEU if you want to call it that I don't think he's left that much of an impact personally 
he's a good actor. I think what he did in Perks of Wallflower was amazing. But in terms of the Flash, I mean, what if we see? we saw him in Justice League? We saw him uh, cameo for like five seconds in Batman v Superman, as well as uh, uh, the Suicide Squad. But then I think we saw him in the finale of Peacemaker, and I think that's it. So. I don't have this attachment to, to to his character the same way I do with Kang. Because, you know, we've only seen Kang twice. But I think the impact he's left has been far stronger than what Ezra Miller did with Barry Allen. But these are the actors that I think could, 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 uh, could fit and could replace Ezra Miller. So, number five, I have Joe Keery. Number four, I have Lucas Hedges. Number three, I have Finn Whitrock. Number two, I have Penn Badgley. And my number one is Dylan O'Brien. So that's my list again. Number five, Joe Curie, which is from Stranger Things. Pretty good actor. He's got wavy hair, and he, I think he fits the age as well. And So I think he could be good. Number four, Lucas Hedges. And I think Lucas Hedges is a great actor, and I'm surprised I haven't seen him in more work. If you haven't seen the film Manchester by the Sea, that is one of the best that's one of the greatest films I've ever seen. It's 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 a tough watch, objectively. I'm going to say that right now. You better bring out the tissues. It is a very difficult film. It's dealing with a lot of heavy subject matter. But he plays one of the supporting characters in the film, and he does a great job. Number three is Finn Whitrock. Uh, he's been in films like Big Shore. He was in the Ratchet series on Netflix. Um, and, and, and I think he'd do a great job. Penn Badgley, everybody knows who this guy is. He plays Joe Goldberg and You. And the number one is Dylan O'Brien. I've seen a lot of other fan castings, and this seems to be the name going around. I, I got to say, I agree with it. I think he fits everything from the acting, from the look. Uh, I think he could definitely bring some of the... Because every time a new actor comes in to play one of these um, famous characters, they're never going to try and copy the previous actor to do it. They're going to bring their own interpretation. And I think he could do a great job. So that's my list. What do you guys think? What would be your fan casting list of Kang and The Flash? Because it seems like both of those actors currently playing the characters are going to be recast in the near future. But now let's move on to the next subject at hand. We're going to be talking once again about the writer's strike. There's some more delays happening specifically with the MCU. So let's get into that next. So the writer's strike continues to be the main topic of discussion day to day. We're... You know, not only us, the audiences, the people working in these industries, they're hearing, they're, they're waiting to hear on negotiations, on, 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 you know, conversations progressing towards what we ultimately want to see is just a fair wage given to the writers. And now there's even been rumors and uh, speculation that very soon we could even see a strike for the DGA and the and, and the SGA, the uh, the SAG, which is the Actors Guild, and then the then the Directors Guild of America, and that would be that'd be awful. That then there would literally be nothing. There is nothing right now because you can't have any story being told without great writers. Like these actors, they aren't writing these these scripts. The direct, I mean, some of the directors are, but you know, we need writers. We need everybody. We need IATSE. We need writers. We need directors. We need actors. It is, it is one of these industries where you can't make a film without one of these co collaborative groups being involved. It's just it is what it is, right? That's why it takes so much people to make a film. That's why you hear about when you're when you're on a set, there's there are actors talk about how there's this pressure to perform when you have 100 people on set that day. So 
it's been a big topic of discussion. And in terms of projects in development, a lot of films have shut down production. But I'm going to talk about the MCU because that seems to be getting the headlines with a lot of with the, in regards to the writer strike. So it says here, Wonder Man and Daredevil have paused shooting. Daredevil three begins shooting, but I'm going to talk about if they even should. Thunderbolts gets delayed. Blade uh, gets delayed as well. Let's talk about Blade first because I have I, I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a prediction right now. I do think this film is going to come out probably within the next three years. But I don't think Mahershala Ali is going to be the actor to play the character. Few reasons why. Number one, no disrespect, but he's he's kind of getting up there in age, and you're playing a superhero. You're you're and you're not just playing any superhero. You're playing a superhero that's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which you know you you join the MCU. You're minimum nine picture deal, probably. I mean, I'm not the one working out these contracts, but. I think when he agreed to play the character, or at least when the, the film was announced at Comic-Con in 2019, I think he was like 51 years old, and now he's like 53, 54. By the time the film comes out, he's going to be 56, 57. Look, Mahershal is a, a great actor, and, and he doesn't look like he's that age, but at the end of the day, if you're beginning a franchise, if you're beginning this new character, and he's already, you know, that... I don't want to sound rude, but he's already that old. I, I think you're 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 kind of limiting your window on how long you can really use this character and and, and use this actor. Uh, just because as you're getting older, you're get, your your interest is going to change. You're going to want to play different characters. So that that's one element of it. The second element is Mahershala himself, right? He's 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 been a part of this project that's had multiple rewrites. He hasn't been satisfied with the script. At some point, he's just going to be fed up and he's just going to want to move on with the project because it's all about schedules. He's committed his time to Marvel, but Marvel, for whatever reason, hasn't seemed to align the project correctly. They haven't They haven't had the right script. They haven't had the right director. And at some point, you know, he's going to have to say, hey, I have this other film I need to work on. I have this TV show I need to do. I've given you so much time already. I, I just can't give you any more. And I'm personally getting fed up myself. So, I, I'm starting to get to that point where I think that Mahershala Ali is going to walk. I hope he doesn't, because he's, he's an amazing actor. He's an, he's an Academy Award winning actor. He's incredible. Um, I, don't, I hope this doesn't happen, but it seems like it might. It seems like it's a pretty strong possibility. Next up is Thunderbolts. This film hired a new writer, the writer of the Netflix show Beef, to come in and rewrite the script... Like apparently two months before the the film was even scheduled to, to to begin production, so that's always concerning. But now that has been delayed indefinitely. And the Dead Deadpool three begins shooting, and this this is the tricky one because according to the rules of the writer strike, any film that had a script that was already finished can shoot, but they have to stick to every line, every comma, every single everything in the script has to be verbatim. So you can't improvise. If you think of a better idea or if you feel like the line isn't actually working in that scene, you can't make any onset uh, spontaneous changes in that moment. Everything has to be to the script. With a character and an actor, well, with a character like Deadpool and an actor like Ryan Reynolds, 
has such great comedic timing, it's inevitable for, you know, a funny quip or one-liner to sort of squeak in that wasn't in the script, and they can't do any of that. So I don't think it's any I don't even think it's a good idea for Deadpool to be shooting. I think Deadpool should just continue to wait like everybody else and resume production once they're ready to do so. And the Wonder Man and Daredevil, they were already pretty pretty well into principal photography, but now they've paused uh, production because of the picket lines um, getting in the way. Not getting in the way, but you know, it's I, I'm they agree with what's happening, and and I think they're just doing what's right as well. So yeah, you know, let me know what you guys think about that. Pretty interesting stuff, and I think this is gonna as long as this writer strike is happening. Each week, we're going to hear about another film or another or another TV show getting delayed, and uh, let's just hope that the that the negotiations can work themselves out sooner than later. Because we all just want we we all want our movies back. We all we all we don't want to have another 2020 where we only get like two projects a year, um, but not because of a pandemic, but because of you know writers not getting paid what they're rightfully owed. So we'll have to wait and see as that develops. I'll continue to, of course, update you guys on Unbashful. But that's probably going to wrap it up today. I know it's a 21-minute podcast here is what we're clocking in at. Very short. I'm not sure how this is going to do. I think most people like to listen to the longer, the long-form content. But there's just really not much going on this week in terms of movies and TV. And a lot of that has to do because of the writer's strike. So it doesn't just affect you know, the people in the industry affects content creators and, and, you know, we, we all just want to see what's, what's fair. And we hope that the writers can, can, uh, can get what they're rightfully owed. So, all right, guys, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you've stuck around this long, please subscribe, download the podcast, listen to it on the go. I'd really appreciate it. It's the best way to support, um, my quest to building this brand out, building my podcast out. And uh, yeah, I will see you guys in the next one. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy. Have a great day.